You are listening to the RTE Today podcast, featuring some of our best bits from the show on RTE One weekdays at 3.30. Now it's that time of the week where we get the stories behind the latest medical headlines. Elaine, there's only one man to do that, and that is Dr Chris Luke. Always great to have you on, Dr Chris. Loads of great stories. We're going to start with Viagra. What's up? Um, The little blue pill... That's been with us since about 1998, 1999. It's generated $40 billion for Pfizer and, of course, of this parish, basically. So it's an incredibly popular uh, little drug. Um, Now, it originally uh, replaced impotence. Now, male impotence quietly became erectile dysfunction in 1998. That was basically how they they sold it, because they didn't want to be seen as as recreational. But fast forward, as I say, $40 billion worth of the, of the drug, and it's incredibly popular and incredibly effective. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, for, on a serious note, about a third of males over 40 have erectile dysfunction. They have, they have sexual difficulties. Mm-hmm. It's the same number, interestingly, for women. Oh. Um, but recently, they've discovered that uh, men who take Viagra regularly uh, have, a, have a significantly reduced level of Alzheimer's risk. Wow. So if they take it uh, for an average amount, the, the reduction in risk is about 20%, 18 to 20%. Whereas if they take up to 50 doses uh, over a year or two, it's a 44% reduction in risk. So it's very, very impressive. Oh and it may well be due to the, 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 the active action of the, the drug, which is basically to increase blood flow, mm-hmm. blood flow to the brain. And, you know, the, 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 the hypothesis now is that uh, vi- uh, Alzheimer's is caused by litter. Uh, litter uh, in the brain uh, littering with a, a substance called amyloid mm-hmm. and there's a hypothesis that there isn't enough uh, blood flow through the brain in some people and the, the litter isn't being picked up at night by the, by the, 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 the cellular bin men as it were okay. so it's oh, a very promising idea yeah yeah, very no. interesting. Yeah. Are there any side effects? Well, the side effects of Viagra, um, only about 1% or 2% of takers have a problem with Viagra, really. Um, there, the commoner or garden effects are headache, nausea, dizziness, flushing, that kind of thing. Things I think you'd expect with you know, a rush of blood to the head, literally. Um, and occasionally you get visual problems, you know, like possibly significant problems with the eyesight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reality is that it's available over the counter. Yeah. You know, uh, and that is the ultimate mark of safety uh, in, in any drug. Is there any other way of clearing that litter you spoke about in your brain? Uh, well, there are the other drugs we talked about last yeah. year, like lecanemab, yeah. these fancy monoclonal antibodies, which are kind of the new generation yeah. of drugs. They're basically targeting, they're specifically targeting. That's kind of high science, targeting the litter in the brain and clearing yeah. it away. Elaine and I were talking about this earlier on as well, about uh, can women take this? Women, uh, recreationally, Viagra is taken in, um, in the club scene, mm-hmm. but it's not supposed to be, because at the, at the end of the day, it's really indicated for older men with erectile yeah. dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there actually is a female Viagra, because as I said, um, sexual dysfunction in a sort of a comparable way affects mm-hmm. about a third of, of, of women. And there's a drug called flibanserin or Adiye. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there's debate about how effective it is, but they, it, it is exists. Again, it's early days. Mm-hmm. Dr. Chris, our next story is about ice baths. Now, yeah. it's my worst nightmare, to be yeah. honest with you. I got into yeah. a little bit of sea swimming like so many people did uh, during COVID where people were getting out and about. But apparently, are they good for you or not, these ice baths or it's, cold water? It's a fascinating uh, issue, Elaine, because I, mean, I think we all have friends who are in and out of the water in, you know, in, in, in off the coast of Kerry, yeah. in the 40 foot, in Fountainstown. I mean, that, that's a fact. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've actually been into the water and, at Christmas mm-hmm. and New Year's myself uh, of late, but I have 
friends who were in almost daily. Mm-hmm. And uh, this thing was called thalassotherapy. Thalasso is the Greek for, for sea. So thalassotherapy has been around for many, many centuries. The Romans loved sea swimming. The Greeks loved sea swimming. So it's been very popular for donkeys. And certainly since James Roy- Joyce wrote Ulysses, which started around about the 40 foot, mm-hmm. talking about, you know, sea, sea swimming. And the, the one thing that's for sure is that in that enthusiasts, it gives them an amazing buzz. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it gives them this lovely sense of, of, of being alert, of being woken up, this tingling. And you have a thing called uh, cold shock, which mm-hmm. is said to release uh, certain kind of proteins that, that make you feel, you know, very, very alert. There's said to be a rush of endorphins and so on. But, you know, the science is, 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 is marginal. It is said, ice baths and cold seawater swimming, the science suggests that it's helpful for obesity, preventing obesity, mm-hmm and maybe even preventing di- diabetes. Yeah. But the reality is that a lot of the things they talk about, like recovery for, for rugby players in ice baths, it's all very marginal. Yeah. What about mental health? Mental health, again, there were some reports uh, uh, this week about uh, women who have uh, felt much, much better with ice baths from, uh, as, you know, with, with their postnatal depression or just general anxiety and depression. Although these, you're, we're, you may be talking about taking just a minute or two of a dip in the ice bath. Because if you think about it, an ice bath first thing in the morning, you know, you have to have some neck. Yeah, but, yeah. but yeah. it's when you come out, though. That's yeah. when you feel it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's absolutely. And the thing is to be wary of going in uh, to the seawater when it's too cold. Like, for example, below 10 sea, it's, it's not, it's not to cold. be advised. Yeah. And you have to also remember that you can get in for 5, 10, 15 minutes in water that's too cold, and you continue to cool down for about 30 minutes afterwards. Okay. So you've got to make sure you warm up appropriately and don't swim on your own. Uh, and make sure you go in, that you gradually build up your tolerance, mm-hmm. whether it's an ice bath or whether it's sea swimming. It's probably the camaraderie of it as well, yeah. isn't it? Uh, that people get huge, together, they go for coffee correct. afterwards. There's a so. huge, so you've gone to Fountainstown or Sandy yeah. Cove or 40 yeah. foot, there's a big scene, that yeah. you now go in for the, you have the sauna and you have the swim and you have the sauna and you have the swim and there's a great crack with the brandy and the coffee afterwards and great merriment and you see, you see gangs of people going on and it's their, it's their fix in the morning. Yes, yeah, their mm-hmm. fix, yeah. And some of them do it very early altogether. Very early, yeah. 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 Good for the soul, though. Yeah. Doctor, we'll move on to our next one, and it's about a new test for uh, ovarian cancer. Yeah. Ovarian cancer is kind of a tragic cancer because there are no reliable screening uh, uh, tools or blood tests. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a test called CA125, which is cancer antigen 125, which they, they, they use, for example, in America mm-hmm. to, to gen- generically measure the activity of, a, of an ovarian cancer. But in terms of catching brand new, really early ovarian cancers, they have to go in with ultrasounds and even open up or laparoscopy. And you have to do a variety of approaches. And that's why it's only often discovered when it's advanced. So there's a new uh, science report uh, from one of the journals, the Journal of American Ke- Chemical Pathology, I think, mm-hmm. uh, where they're talking about using nanoparticles. Uh, nanoparticles are really, 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 really tiny. And they're looking for peptides. And peptides are the building bricks of protein. Mm-hmm. So basically you get a group of 5 to 20 amino acids and that's a peptide and you, you use the peptide like Lego to build these proteins in their various shapes. And they're using these membranes uh, with what's called nanopores. Nano means tiny. Yeah, you know, tiny, really tiny, tiny, tiny. Yeah. And they're able to identify the peptides uh, using the, the electrical charges that change. It's a kind of electrical signature as the peptides pass through mm-hmm. these membranes. And they have discovered in the States that there are kind of unique signals from some of these na- na- peptides uh, in an ovarian cancer, but 
very early days. So it's a promising technique, but mm-hmm. with very early days. Are there symptoms of ovarian cancer that people? Well, the problem with, symptom, with ovarian cancer, of course, that it can be it can mimic so many other gynecological things. So it can be mistaken for fibroids mm-hmm. or dysmenorrhea or, or menorrhagia, you know, the, the heavy bleeding, dysfunctional uterine bleeding, and so forth. You may get backache and, and so forth. So in other words, very very diffuse, non-specific symptoms. So it's a difficult cancer to diagnose, but one to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose the awareness, like, like everything, is, is crucial. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, we tackled this a little bit last week, uh, Dr. Chris, and it's about the measles. Yeah. Now, Di, you know that I've been mentioning this for the last two weeks, and there's a reason for that. Um, the WHO had ha published a, a video, which people can look up, the WHO website, and there's a, a, a video on about measles at the moment, and they're using words like exploding. Mm-hmm. that the cases of measles are exploding around Europe and all, all around the world. And they're attributing this to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And they're suggesting that many people, many, many youngsters' vaccinations were missed because for obvious reasons it was locked down mm-hmm. or they forgot. Or they, they, and of course, there's, there's also an issue of access. It has to be paid for in some yeah. places and the services may have been d- deflected by the response to the, to the to coronavirus. But uh, as we were worrying last week before it happened, uh, there was, there's been a measles death in, in Leinster, uh, last week, mm-hmm. and they now think that there are about nine cases of measles. Now, it was running at about two and a half cases per annum in Ireland yeah. uh, over the last four years on average. Uh, there were no cases in 2021, and there's been no deaths for quite a few years. To have one death and nine suspect, you know, the problem is that it can be, tr- in this era of globalization and, you know, rapid travel internationally, mm-hmm. we're at risk of somebody bringing it back from overseas, a tourist or a visitor or whatever, you know, for, you know even, for example, the rugby matches that yeah. are being played. So, so we have to be very, very vigilant. The, the exposure, it's the, one of the most infectious uh, viruses of all measles. It's very, very contagious. And part of the problem is that it, since the MMR, the measles, mumps and rubella mm-hmm. vaccine was introduced 50 years ago, people have forgotten. The folklore is a lot, the folk mm-hmm. memory is lost. And people forget that it's a very, very serious disease which can cause deafness, brain damage and death uh, in as many as you know, one in, in a thousand children. And it particularly mm-hmm. affects children. Children, as many as 20% of children are hospitalised. And there's a very real risk. So the bottom line is, uh, if you don't think you, your children or you yourself have been vaccinated reliably in the last, uh, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, yeah. check with your GP. And there's a, there's a campaign at the moment to, to provide catch-up vaccination. Okay. And the bottom line is, two vaccines uh, at least a month apart, starting at about the age of 12 months. And then I usually, at, you know, at preschool uh, and even in adults, uh, provides about 97% protection. Just before we go, we're going to take a look at a few pics here as well. People yeah. will that, this is the classic uh, measles rash, which can start about seven days, five to seven days after exposure. And it starts around the back of the, the behind the ears and comes down onto the face and then down onto the shoulders and onto the torso and onto the limbs. Uh, and it's a kind of blanching rash. In other words, if you mm-hmm. press it it, 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 it turns yeah. pale. What do you do if you, if your son or your daughter uh, has this rash? Well, the bottom line is you need to consult probably the GP, but let anybody know that I'm concerned that we, there is a case of measles mm-hmm. because the bottom line is we need to isolate them as soon as possible. Now, if they're sick, if there's a suggestion of a really serious disease with roaring temperature, let's say normal temperature is 37, if it's 38 or above, if they're coughing, if they're breathless, if they're clearly unwell, you know, a bit delirious or a bit, you know, you know, they're not responding normally, that's an ambulance sort of case, particularly in young children. And the deaths and the damage occur mostly in those under 12, under 12 months. So mm-hmm. please beware. Uh, and the other 
people who are very vulnerable are those who are immunocompromised, mm. such as people who are on chemotherapy or who have, let's say, a, a leukaemia yeah. uh, and, uh, and so on. And we don't want to frighten anyone. Do no. Most people will recover. Absolutely, if, yeah. If the vast majority will recover okay. uh, with simple treatment, you know, hot drinks and paracetamol. And, and, uh, but do liaise with your GP. Uh, contact the, uh, you know, the emergency departments in the paediatric hospitals if you're very, very worried. And above all, check today, ideally, with the HSE website for your information. Okay, well, thank you so much, Dr. Chris. Thank you, Dr. Chris. Always great to have you. And if you need any more information about anything we discussed today, you can head to rte.ie forward slash support or hse.ie. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to tune in to the Today Show every weekday on RTE1 from 3.30. Or if you missed the show, you can watch it back on the RTE player. Visit rte.ie forward slash player. Stay tuned.